You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. are now entering the Sapphire Planet. You are now in the Sapphire Planet. Modern birds are known to communicate using visual and auditory signals, and the wide diversity of visual display structures among fossil dinosaur groups, such as horns, frills, crests, sails, and feathers suggests that the visual communication has always been important in dinosaur biology. Reconstruction of the plumage color of Ancorinus Huxley suggests the importance of color and visual communication in non-avian dinosaurs. The evolution of dinosaur vocalization is less certain. Paleontologists suggest that non-avian dinosaurs relied mostly on visual displays and possibly non-vocal acoustic sounds like hissing, jaw grinding or clapping, splashing, and wing beating. He state, they state that they were unlikely to have been capable of vocalizing since their closest relatives, crocodilians and birds, use different means to vocalize. The former via the larynx, the latter through a unique syrinx, suggesting they evolved independently and the common ancestor was mute. The earliest remains of a Cyrenix, which has enough mineral content for fossilization, was found in a specimen of the duck-like Vegasi Aya, dated 69 million years ago. And this organ is unlikely to have existed in non-avian dinosaurs. However, in contrast to the researchers have suggested that dinosaurs could vocalize and that the syrinx-based vocal system of birds evolved from a larynx-based one, 
rather than the two systems evolving independently. A 2016 study suggests that dinosaurs produced closed mouth vocalizations like cooing, which occur in both crocodilians and birds, as well as other reptiles. Such vocalizations evolved independently in extent archaeosaur numerous times, following increases in body size. The crests of the Lambosaurian and nasal chambers of Anilacosaurids have been suggested to function in vocal resonance through increases in body size. It's the presence of the resonance chambers in some dinosaurs is not necessarily evidence of vocalizations, as modern snakes have such chambers which intensify their hiss. Dinosaur eggs are the organic vessel in which dinosaur embryo deploys. When the first scientifically documented remains of dinosaurs were being described in England during the 1820s, it was presumed that dinosaurs had laid eggs because they were reptiles. In 1859, the first scientifically documented dinosaur egg fossils were discovered in France by Jean-Jacques Poche, although they were mistaken for giant bird eggs. The first scientifically recognized dinosaur egg fossils were discovered in 1923 by an American Museum of Natural History crew in Mongolia. Since then, many new nesting sites have been found all over the world, and a system of classification based on the structure of eggshell was developed in China before gradually diffusing into the West. Dinosaur eggshell can be studied in thin section and viewed under a microscope. The interior of a dinosaur egg can be studied using CAT scans or by gradually dissolving away the shell with acid. Sometimes the egg preserves the remains of the developing embryo inside. The oldest known dinosaur eggs and embryos are from Massapondylipus, which lived during the early Jurassic at about 190 million years ago. This timeline of egg fossil research is a chronology ordered of list of important discoveries, controversies, and interpretations. In 1859, the first scientifically documented dinosaur egg follows, fossils were discovered in southern France by a Catholic priest and an amateur natural, naturalist named Father Jean-Jacques Push. He thought, however, that they were laid by giant birds. The first scientifically recognized dinosaur egg fossils 
were found serendipitously in 1923. These eggs were mistakenly attributed to the locally abundant herbivore Proceratops, but are now known to be oviraptor eggs. Egg discoveries continue to mount all over the world, leading to the development of multiple competing classification schemes. In 1975, Chinese paleontologist Zhao Ziku started a revolution in fossil egg classification by developing a system of parataxonomy based on the traditional Linnaean system, which classified eggs based on their physical qualities rather on their hypothesized mothers. Zhao's new method of egg classification was hindered from adoption by Western scientists due to language barriers. However, in the early 1990s, Russian paleontologist Konstantin Milikov brought attention to Zhao's work in English language scientific literature. Fossil dinosaur eggshell fragments can be recognized based on three important traits. Their thickness should be roughly uniform. They are usually slightly curved and their surface is covered in tiny pores. Less frequently, the concave underside of the eggshell fragment will preserve bumps known as mammalia. Sometimes the embryo had absorbed so much of the calcium that the mammalia needed a magnifying glass or microscope to be seen. However, there are many kinds of naturally occurring objects which can resemble fossil eggs. These can fool even professional paleontologists. Calculus. Calculi are egg-like objects formed in the stomachs of ruminants, such as cattle, deer, elk, and goats. Calculus formation is a defense mechanism protecting the ruminant's stomach from damage if it swallows a foreign object while grazing. After ingestion, the object is covered by the same material composing bone, calcium phosphate, and is eventually vomited out of the animal's system. These stomach stones tend to range in size from one to six centimeters. Larger size are known, but very rare. Sometimes tiny dimples cover the surface of a stomach stone, which can fool observers into thinking they are pores of an egg. Fossil egg experts have described stomach stones as the most egg-like natural objects, noting that they are the trickiest egg-like objects to correctly identify. Calculi are so egg-like that on occasions, a detailed description of a stomach stone misidentified as a fossil egg was published in the scientific literature. Calculi can be distinguished from real egg fossils because when they are broken open, they show the layers of calcium phosphate and the foreign object at the core. Multiple layers of eggshell are known in pathological eggs, but these layers don't go all the way down to its core the way a stomach stones do. 
Calculi are often suspiciously intact, unlike fossil eggs, which are usually damaged. Stomach stones also lack distinct shells with their attending structural components, like continuous or prismatic layers, mammalia, and pores. The next false egg is a concretion. Concretions are formed when decaying organisms change the chemistry of their immediate surroundings in a manner that is conducive to minerals precipitation out of solution. These minerals accumulate in mass roughly shaped like the region of altered chemistry. Sometimes the mass produced is egg-shaped. Most egg-shaped concretions have uniform interiors. However, some form through the accumulation of minerals and layers. These layered concretions can be even more harder to recognize than those with uniform interiors because the layers can resemble egg white and yolk. The yellow of false yolk comes from minerals like laminite, siderite, and sulfur. Concretions also generally lack distinct shells, although sometimes they can appear to have them if their outside surfaces have been case-hardened. Since their interiors are softer, erosion can separate the two, creating eggshell pseudofossils. Real egg fossils should preserve eggshell structures like pores, mammalia, and prismatic or continuous layers that are not present in concretions in any given concretion is unlikely to be exactly the same size as any other, so associations of egg-like objects of different sizes are probably not real eggs at all. Concretions can also be far larger than any real egg, so an apparently unnatural large egg has probably been misidentified. And the final false egg is the insect trace fossils. Sometimes the living or breeding chambers of an insect burrows are so perfectly egg-shaped that even paleontologists can mistake a natural cast of these chambers for a fossil egg. Insect burrow fossils can sometimes be distinguished from real egg fossils by the presence of scratch marks on their surface left by the insect during the burrowing's original excavation. Fossil insect pupae can also resemble eggs. After death and burial, the decomposition of decreased pupa would leave a gap in the sediment that could be filled with minerals carried by groundwater, forming an egg-like cast. These pseudo-eggs can be recognized by their small size usually not much longer than a centimeter or two, and lack of an eggshell with its typical anatomy. And finally, stones. Erosive effects of water can sometimes round rocks into egg-like stones. Now back to dinosaur eggs. Paleontologist knowledge of structure of dinosaurs' eggs is limited to the hard shell itself. However, it can be inferred that dinosaurs' eggs had amnion, chorion, and allantois 
the three major membranes of modern bird and reptile eggs. Dinosaur eggs vary greatly in size and shape, but even the largest dinosaur eggs are smaller than the largest known bird eggs, which were laid by the extinct elephant bird. Dinosaur eggs range in shape from spherical to highly elongated, sometimes specimens three times longer than they are wide. Some elongated eggs are symmetrical, whereas others have one rounded end and one pointed end, similar to bird eggs. Most elongated eggs were laid by the theropods and have an avian-like eggshell, where the spherical eggs typically represent non-theropodian dinosaurs. Fossil dinosaur eggshells, like modern bird and reptile eggshells, are made up of calcium carbonate crystal units. The basic arrangement and structure of these eggshell units, called the ultrastructure, is used to divide fossil eggs into several basic types, including the spherulic, prismatic, and orthonid basic types, which contains dinosaurs. Dinosaur eggs further classified by the microstructural aspect of the crystalline structure of the eggshell units and by the type of their pores and their shell ornamentation. Layers. Dinosaur eggshells are divided into one, two, or three layers of distinct ultrastructure. The innermost layer, known as the mammalia layer or the cone layer, is only found in theropod eggs, the prismatic and orthneoid basic types. It is composed of cone-shaped structures called mammalia at the base of each shell unit. Mammalia are the first part of the egg shell to form. Each mammalia forms from crystals radiating outward from an organic core until they touch neighboring mammalia and grow upwards to the next layer. In sulfuric eggs, the eggs of the non-theropod dinosaur, the eggshell units grow upward from their organic cores. The base of each eggshell unit is rounded, but it is not a true mammalia because it does not have distinct ultrastructure from the top of the unit. The second layer is alternately called the prismatic layer, the columnar layer, the continuous layer, the crystalline layer, the cryptomestic layer, the palisade layer, the spongy layer, or the single layer. In this layer, the shell units can be distinct, partially fused together, or entirely continuous. In some dinosaur eggs, the prismatic layer exhibits squamic ultrastructure, where the prismatic structure is obscured by rough texture resembling lizard skin. Though rare in non-avian dinosaurs, some theropod eggs and most bird eggs have a third layer known as the external layer, made up of the vertical calcite crystals. In all eggs, the embryo must breathe 
in amniotes, including dinosaurs. Pore canals cutting through the eggshell allow gas exchange between the embryo and the outside world. Dinosaur eggshells exhibit a lot of diversity in pore size, density, and shape. One early attempt at classification of dinosaurian eggs, proposed by Soviet paleontologists, was based on grouping eggs in their pore systems. This system was abandoned when it was discovered that different eggs could have very similar pores, but pore systems do play an important role in modern eggshell parataxonomy. The density and width of the pores combined with the eggshell's thickness can be used to predict the gas conductance of a dinosaur's egg. This can provide both information about nesting behavior and about the climate. Eggs buried in the sediment have higher rates of gas conductance than those laid in open, and eggs laid in arid environments have lower gas conductance to prevent water loss than those laid in more humid conditions. Unlike most modern eggs, many dinosaur eggs had a rough texture formed by nodes and ridges ornamenting the surface of their shell. This is predominant in Cretaceous dinosaur eggs, but very rare in eggs from the Jurassic or Triassic. Because of the lack of modern analogies, the purpose of eggshell ornamentation is unknown, but many functions have been proposed. Possibly they provide extra strength to the eggshell without having pore canals too long for adequate gas exchange. They could also help keep substrate away from the pore openings of eggs that were buried, but modern turtles and crocodilians which bury their eggs have smooth eggshells. So this adaptation is not necessary for animals which bury their eggs. Another adaptation could be that as the ridges and nodes would have formed pathways for gas to flow across the surface of the eggshell, preventing accumulation of too much CO2 and aiding the flow of oxygen and water vapor. The formation of the fossil egg begins with the original egg itself. Not all eggs that end up fossilizing experience the death of the embryo beforehand. Fossil eggs with open tops are common and could result from the preservation of eggs that hatched successfully. Dinosaur eggs whose embryos died were likely victims of similar causes, those that kill embryos in modern reptile and bird eggs today. Typical causes of death include congenital problems, disease, suffocation from being buried too deep, temperature or too much, or too little water. Whether or not hatching was successful, burial would begin with sediments gradually entering any large openings in the shell. Even intact eggs are likely to fill with sediment once they crack under the strain of deep burial. Sometimes though, fossilization can begin fast enough to prevent the eggs from being cracked. If the water table is high enough, Dissolved materials like calcite can percolate through the pores of the eggshell, 
When the egg is completely filled, it can become sturdy enough to withstand the weight of the overlying sediments. Not all fossil egg specimens are complete specimens, however. Individual pieces of eggshell are much more robust than the entire egg and can be transported intact long distances from where they were originally laid. When the egg is buried deeply enough, the bacteria decomposing is no longer has access to oxygen and the need to power their metabolisms with different substances. The physiological changes in the decomposers also alter the local environment in a way that allows certain minerals to be deposited, while others remain in solution. Generally, however, a fossilizing eggshell keeps the same calcite it had in life, which allows scientists to study its original structures millions of years after the developing dinosaur has hatched or died. However, eggs can also sometimes be altered after burial. This process is called diagenesis. One form of diagenesis is microscopic crosshatch pattern imposed on the eggshell by the pressure of being buried deeply. If the pressure gets severe enough, sometimes the eggshell's internal microscopic structure can be just completely destroyed. Diagenesis can also happen chemically in addition to physically. The chemical conditions of decomposing egg can make it easier for silica to be incorporated into eggshell and damage its structure. When iron-beating substances alter eggshells, it can be obvious because compounds like hematite, pyrite, and iron sulfide can turn the shell blackish or rusty color. Dinosaur eggs are known from a variety of depositional environments. Beach sands were a good place for dinosaurs to lay their eggs because the sand would be effective at absorbing and holding enough heat to incubate the eggs. One ancient beach deposit in northeastern Spain actually preserves about 300,000 fossil dinosaur eggs. Floodplains. Dinosaurs often laid their eggs on ancient floodplains. The mudstones deposited at these sites are therefore excellent sources of dinosaur egg fossils. Sand dunes. Many dinosaur eggs have been recovered from the sandstone deposits that formed in the ancient dune field or what are now northern China and Mongolia. The presence of oviraptor preserved in their life brooding positions suggests that the eggs, nests, and parents may have been rapidly buried by sandstorm. Usually the first evidence of fossil dinosaur eggs to be discovered are shell fragments that have eroded away from the original eggs and been transported downhill by the elements. If the source eggs can be found, the area must be examined for more unexposed eggs. If the paleontologists are fortunate enough to have found a nest, the number and arrangement of the eggs must be estimated. Excavation must proceed to significant depth since many dinosaur nests include multiple layers of eggs. As the underside of a nest is excavated, it would be covered by material like newspaper, tin or foil or tissue. 
Afterwards, the entire block is covered in multiple layers of plaster, soaked with strips of burlap. When the plaster is dried, the block is undercut, and the rest is on the way and turned over. The fine work of cleaning the egg fossils is performed in a laboratory. Preparation usually begins from the underside of the block, which tends to be the best preserved. Because of the fragility, cleaning fossil eggs requires patience and skill. Scientists use delicate instruments like dental picks, needles, small pneumatic engraving tools, and ex-acto knives. Scientists must determine at what point to stop cleaning based on their own criteria. If eggs are fully extracted, they can be more fully studied individually at the cost of information regarding the spatial relationship between eggs or if the eggs have hatched. Commercial fossil dealers tend to expose only the bottom of the eggs since the top sides might be damaged by hatching and therefore less visually appealing to potential customers. Acids can be used to learn more about fossil eggs. Diluted acetic acid, or EDTA, can be used to expose the microstructure of the shell that has been damaged by weathering. Acids are also used to extract embryo skeletons from the egg encasing them. Even fossilized soft tissue like muscle and cartilage, as well as fat globules from the original egg yolk can be uncovered using this method. CAT scans. CAT scans can be used to infer the 3D structure of fossil eggs interior. By compelling images taken of slices through the egg in a small, regular increments, scientists have tried to use CAT scans to look for embryo fossils contained inside the egg without having to damage the egg itself physically by extracting them. Variations in the type of infilling material or cement binding in the infilling sediment of the rock sometimes resembles bones in CAT scans images. Sometimes eggshell fragments that fell back into the egg when it hatched have been mistaken for an embryonic bone. The use of CAT scans to search for embryonic remains is actually conceptually flawed, since embryonic bones have yet to be mineralized. Since the infilling sediments are their only source of minerals, they will be preserved at basically the same density and therefore have poor visibility in the scan. The validity of this issue has been confirmed by performing CAT scans on fossil eggs known to have embryos inside and noting their poor visibility in the scan images. The only true reliable way to discover a dinosaur embryo is to cut the egg open or dissolve some of its eggshell away. Light micropathy can be used to magnify the structure of the dinosaur eggshell for scientific research. To do so, an eggshell fragment must be embedded in epoxy resin and sliced into thin sections with a thin blade rock saw. This basic method was invented by French paleontologists 
Paul Gervais and has remained almost unchanged ever since. Horizontally cut thin slices sections are called tangential thin sections, while vertically cut thin sections are called radial selections. Regardless of the direction, the sample must be abraded by fine grit sand or emery paper until it's translucent. Then the structure of the shell's calcite crystals or pores can be examined under petrographic microscope. The calcite structure of dinosaur eggshells can be classified by their effect on polarized light. Calcite is capable of acting as a polarizing light filter. When a microscopic thin section sample is rotated relative to the polarized light, it can eventually block all the light and seem opaque. This phenomenon is called extinction. Different varieties of dinosaur eggs with their different calcite crystal structures have different light extinction properties that can be used to identify and distinguish even eggs that seem very similar on the surface. To reconstruct the three-dimensional structure of the shell's pores, channels scientists require a series of multiple radial selections. Scanning electron microscopy is used to view dinosaur eggshells under even greater magnification than is possible with light micropsy. However, this does not mean that scanning electron micropsy is necessary the superior research method. Since both techniques provide different amounts and types of information, they can be used together to synergistically to provide a more complete understanding of the specimen under scrutiny. Eggshell specimens best suited for scanning electron are the recently broken because such a break will usually occur along the plane of the eggshell's calcite and crystal lattice. The first small specimen would be covered with a very thin layer of gold or platinum. The specimen would then be bombarded with electrons. The electrons bounce back off the metal and due to their small size can be used to form a detailed image of the specimen. Next is mass spectrometry. It is a method for determining eggshell composition that uses a device called a mass spectrometer. First, the eggshell samples must be powdered and placed in the mass spectrometer's vacuum chamber. The powder is vaporized by the heat of an intense laser beam. A stream of electrons then bombarded the gaseous eggshell molecules, which breaks down the molecules in the eggshell and imbues them with a positive charge. A magnetic field then sorts them by mass and they are detected in a spectrometer. One application of the mass spectrometry has been to study the isotope ratios of dinosaur eggshells in order to ascertain their diets and living conditions. However, this research is complicated by the fact that isotope ratios can be altered post-mortem during, before or during fossilization. Bacterial decomposition can alter carbon isotope ratios in eggs, and groundwater can alter the oxygen isotope ratios of eggshells. And finally, good old x-rays. 
X-ray equipment like CAT scans are used to study the interior of the fossil eggs. Unlike CAT scans, X-ray imaging condenses the entire interior of the egg into a single two-dimensional image rather than a series of images documenting the interior in three dimensions. X-ray imaging is the context of dinosaur research has generally been used for, to look for evidence of embryonic fossils contained inside the egg. All embryos discovered using x-rays have been misidentifications. This is because the use of x-rays to find embryos is once again conceptually flawed. Embryo bones are incompletely developed and will generally lack their own mineral content. As such, the only source of minerals for these bones is the sediment that filled the eggs after burial. The fossilized bones will therefore have the same density as the sediment filling the interior of the egg, which served as the source for the mineral content and will be poorly visible on an X-ray image. So far, the only reliable method for examining embryonic fossils preserved in dinosaur eggs is to physically extract them through means such as acid dissolution. X-rays can be used to chemically analyze dinosaur eggshells. This technique requires pure shell samples so that the fossil may be completely free of its surrounding rock matrix. The shell must be further cleaned in an ultrasonic bath. The sample can then be bombarded by electrons emitted by the same sort of probe used by scanning electron microscopes. Upon impact with the sample x-rays are emitted that can be used to identify the composition of the shell. And finally, x-ray diffraction is a method for determining eggshell composition that uses x-rays to directly bombard powdered eggshells. Upon impact, some of the x-rays will be diffracted at different angles and intensities, depending on the specific elements present in the eggshell. The physiology of dinosaurs has historically been a controversial subject, particularly their thermal regulation. Recently, many new lines of evidence have been brought to bear on dinosaur physiology, generally including not only metabolic systems and thermal regulation, but on respiratory and cardiovascular systems as well. During the early years of dinosaur paleontology, it was widely considered that they were sluggish, cumbersome, and sprawling cold-blooded lizards. However, with the discovery of much more complete skeletons in the Western United States, starting in the 1870s, scientists could make more informed interpretations of dinosaur biology and physiology Edward Drinker Cope, opponent of Orneal Charles Marsh in the Bone Wars, propounded at least some dinosaurs have active and agile, as seen in the paintings of two fighting Lelaps 
produced under his direction by Charles R. Knight. In parallel, the development of Darwinian evolution and the discoveries of the Archaeopteryx and Compsogathnus, led by Thomas Henry Huxley, to propose that dinosaurs were closely related to birds. Despite these considerations, the image of dinosaurs as large reptiles had already taken root, and most aspects of their paleobiology were interpreted as being typically reptilian for the first half of the 20th century. Beginning in the 1960s, and with the advent of the dinosaur renaissance, views of the dinosaur and their physiology have changed dramatically, including the discovery of feathered dinosaurs in the early Cretaceous age, deposits in China, indicating that birds evolved from a highly agile Manoraptorian dinosaur. The study of dinosaurs began in the 1820s in England. Pioneers in the field such as William Buckland, Gideon Mantell, and Richard Owen interpreted the first very fragmentary remains as belonging to large quadrupedal beasts. Their early work can be seen today in the Crystal Palace dinosaur constructed in the 1850s which present known dinosaurs as elephantine lizard-like reptiles. Despite these reptilian appearances, Owen speculated the dinosaur heart and respiratory system were more similar to that of a mammal than a reptile. In the late 1960s, similar ideas reappeared beginning with John Onstrom's work on Dinochius and bird evolution. His student, Bob Baker, popularized the changing thought in a series of papers beginning with the superiority of dinosaurs in 1968. In these publications, he argued strenuously that dinosaurs were warm-blooded and active animals capable of sustained periods of high activity in most of his writings, Baker framed his arguments as new evidence leading to a revival of ideas popular in the late 19th century, frequently referring to it as an ongoing dinosaur renaissance. He used a variety of anatomical ideas popular and statistical arguments to defend his case the methodology of which was fiercely debated among scientists. These debates sparked interest in new methods for ascertaining the paleobiology of extinct animals, such as bone histology, which has been successfully applied to determine the growth rate of many dinosaurs. Today, it is generally thought that many or perhaps all dinosaurs had higher metabolic rates than living reptiles, but also that the situation is more complex and varied than Baker originally proposed. For example, while smaller dinosaurs may have been true endotherms, the larger forms could have been inertial 
homeotherms, or that many dinosaurs had to have intermediate, or that many dinosaurs could have had an intermediate metabolic rate. So fast, slow, and intermediate. The earliest dinosaurs were almost certainly predators and shared several predatory features with their nearest non-dinosaur relatives, including relatively large curved blade-like teeth in large wide opening jaws that closed like scissors, relatively small abdomens as carnivores do not require large digestive systems. Later dinosaurs regarded as predators sometimes grew much larger, but retained the same set of features. Instead of chewing their food, these predators swallowed it whole. The feeding habits of Ornithosaurus and Ovaraptorsaurus are a mystery. Although they evolved from a predatory theropod lineage, they have small jaws and lack the blade-like teeth of typical predators but there is no evidence of their diet or how they ate and digested it. Features of other groups of dinosaurs indicate that they were herbivores. These features include jaws that only slightly open and close so that all the teeth met at the same time, large abdomens that could accommodate large amounts of vegetation and store it for a long time it takes to digest vegetation guts that contain endosymbiotic microorganisms that digest cellulose, as no known animal can digest this through material directly. Sauropods, which were herbivores, did not chew their food, as their teeth and jaw appear suitable only for stripping leaves off plants. Orincians, also herbivores, showed a variety of approaches the armored ankylosaurs and stegosaurs had small heads and weak jaws and teeth and were thought to have fed in much the same way as sauropods. The pachylosaurs had small heads and weak jaws and teeth, but their lack of large digestive systems suggests a different diet, possibly fruits, seeds, or young shoots that would have been more nutritious to them than leaves. On the other hand, orinthiopods such as the Hycephalodon, Iguanodon, and various hadrosaurs had horny beaks for snipping off vegetation and jaws and teeth that were well adapted for chewing. The horned Certerosopsians had similar mechanisms. It has often been suggested that at least some dinosaurs used swallowed stones, known as gastroliths, to aid digestion by grinding their food into muscular gizzards, and that this was a feature they shared with birds. It was reviewed reference that gastroliths in scientific literature and found considerable confusion, starting with the lack of an agreed and objective definition of gastrolith. Swallowed hard stones or grit can assist digestion in birds, 
that mainly feed on grain but may not be essential, and that birds that eat insects in summer and grain in winter usually get rid of the stones and grit in summer. Gastroliths have been often been described as an important for sauropod dinosaurs, whose diet of vegetation required very thorough digestion. Your journey is now ending. the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet. Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.